Welcome to Two Hypnotherapists Talking with me, Denise Billen Mejia in Delaware, USA. And me, Martin Ferber in Preston, UK. This weekly podcast is for anyone and everyone who would like to know more about the fascinating subject of hypnosis and the benefits it offers. I'm a clinical hypnotherapist and psychotherapist. I'm a retired medical doctor turned consulting hypnotist. We are two hypnotherapists talking. So let's get on with the episode. Denise and I had some great guests in this series. Some of the best bits are coming up right now. But keep an eye out for series three of Two Hypnotherapists Talking, which starts on Sunday, the 7th of May. Let's take a look back now, though, at some of our wonderful guests who appeared in series two. Back at the beginning of the series in episode two, we were joined by hypnosis royalty, Larry and Cheryl Elman, as they prepared for the Dave Elman Legacy Conference. Here's some of what they had to say. Talking. And Denise and I have got hypnosis royalty as guests today. We have we no other. We, yeah, we have no other than Larry and Cheryl Elman in the States. And I am absolutely delighted beyond words that you've joined us. Thank you. As am I. <laughs> Thank you. So now it's two two by two hypnotists. Today. Yes, yes, double the double the hypnosis. Um, but but I think we should start way back when. <laughs> um, Larry, obviously with the name Elman, you've known about hypnosis for quite some time. Could you give our listeners just a little taste of what it was like growing up in Dave Elman's house, or on the road with Dave? Yeah. Uh... Probably the thing that'll amuse most of you most and may put this in perspective. Uh, my father had been vaudeville. And when vaudeville failed, which would be around 1920, he found himself unemployed in New York, New York City. And at that time in New York City, a fast way to get yourself arrested was to either be or claim to be a hypnotist. So he oh. never mentioned it. If you're in vaudeville, you need to be an understudy to the adjoining acts. So if somebody gets sick, the show must go on. In fact, I remember from age three being told, the show must go on. So he never told anybody. And he spent several years uh, musician, songwriter, actor, etc., etc., trying to move into radio, which was the, the big coming technology. And he finally gets a radio show started in 1937 called Hobby Lobby. So my father wanted to put a hypnotist on the radio. Mm -hmm. And the, uh, the lawyers and the network and everybody got all panicked. What happens if somebody in the audience driving a car goes into trance and kills themselves? We'll be sued. Mm -hmm. My father knew doggone well that this is an avoidable non-problem, uh, had to pretend he was not a hypnotist, knew nothing about it, and convinced them. Mm -hmm. So he's done a job on this. And meanwhile, as I say, he had not admitted to being a stage hypnotist. So finally, in what I believe was the first show of Hobby Lobby in 49, he has as his guest, a hypnotist who proceeds to blow his act. He's got a dozen people up on stage. Half of them don't go into trance. He gives a suggestion. 
it's ignored. Now, meanwhile, I'm at that point, a uh, parents thought was asleep in the car, but of course, you know, kids, they're not asleep in the car, they're listening, has heard my parents discussing the fact that if the show gets blown, we lose a sponsor, we're out of work. Mm-hmm. So I'm sitting in the studio audience watching this, and I'm nervous. And suddenly, my father steps forward and says, Mr. Whoever it was, you've done such a wonderful job. I'll bet these people would even take suggestions from me. Uh-huh. <laughs> is, is, knows that he's in trouble. And he says, the next voice you hear will be Dave Elvin, do whatever he says. And he runs off stage. <laughs> and my father immediately goes into his old vaudeville. And it works. Of course mm-hmm. it works. Our next guest in the series featured a British hypnotherapist, Les Roberts, who told us about some of the fascinating work she does with children. Yeah, I mean, I've been looking um, sort of like with real interest at this work you've been doing with children over the school holidays, which is about their mental health and well-being. And you've been doing a lot of classes with that. Um, and I was looking at some of the well-being things that you were doing because you were putting them up online. And, you know, it, it all really ties in with hypnosis for children, doesn't it? Um, all the kind of things about, you know, dreams and wishes. And it's, it's all, um, you know, positive future visualization in one form or another, um, which is, you know, it, is all hypnosis um, and what have you. How do you find that's gone with them? Oh, it's fantastic. Mm. Like, I said, like I said just before you, you press record, it's absolutely exhausting. Mm. However, it, it is so rewarding to watch the mm-hmm. children come in and they don't want to leave the parents, you know, but we have a policy parents do not stay mm. because there's mm-hmm. no room, um, you know, because we, we have ten, 10 children in each class and there's no room for parents to stay. Mm. Um, plus also it's a case of, I feel that they may be distracted if the if the parents are there. So the parents yeah, already know them. that the, mm. they're not to stay. Um, and doing a group of ten children, they sort they seem to bounce off each other all the time. Yeah, um, yeah. and they can they, you can see them um, not just forging friendships, but also seeing how others react to what I talk about. But Bringing in the crafting is mm. just so that they're not just sat there twiddling the thumbs listening right. to me because they'd just space out if we did that. So, mm-hmm. but the crafts, like you said, are all um, with the topic of like putting the worries to bed. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. The dream catcher. So that we didn't say it was to catch negative dreams. Um, our purpose was to catch wonderful dreams and nice thoughts so that it hangs up at your window and it stops all those not very nice dreams coming through and mm. things so um yeah it, it like i said it's very tiring but it's very very rewarding mm. and i was i'm very fortunate that because i'm a cic company which is a community interest company mm. i can apply for funding from anywhere from the lottery from any charity um but this funding was from the department for education and our local council yeah yeah i noticed that and of course that is that is a glowing endorsement you know for for the council to sponsor it 
Oh, definitely. Right. Yeah. Are these programs that you put together, do the, you see the children sequentially or is it one off? No, they can attend. Um, say Christmas, we held the mm -hmm. classes for eight days. They can attend for the eight days. They can attend in the morning and in the afternoon, but the morning and afternoon are repeated, you know, on mm -hmm. um, that particular day. But no, they, they can they can turn up for as many sessions as they want. And because it was funded by the council, was it free to the point of service yes. for the kids? Great. Yes. It's free for the children to attend also because they, um, I apply for the funding. And when I apply for the funding, I also apply for extra funding so we can give them um, what we call a well-being box mm -hmm. and in that well-being box are all the activities for the whole of those eight days oh that's um, great and they get to take them home mm. yeah, and yeah. all the instructions are written out so that if they don't attend you know say monday tuesday wednesday but only come thursday friday then they've got right the rest. they've still got that yeah yeah yeah. Mm. yeah. Do, have you found that any parents are so delighted with the response of their kids oh, that they've that yeah. they've wanted to bring them back for a more personal? Yes, yeah, I've, I've actually got a few, a few children to see from the back of um, the summer ones, um, and I've had a few inquiries from the uh, the Christmas one as well. But we've got one going on in um, Easter as well. So they run mm -hmm. three times a year. They run Easter holidays, which is. Is that April, March, April? Depends, time? depends on the year. Yeah, yeah. summer <laughs> and um, and Christmas as well. So we, mm -hmm. we run them three times a year. The funding is only available, I think, for the next two years. So I'm just going to hopefully make the most of it. However, I will tell you, though, on the back of it, um, because I've forged these really good friendships, um, not friendships, relationships with the people at the council, um, I've also been invited to do a few bits and pieces for the DART programme, which is the domestic um, abuse, the, mm. um, you know, after the perpetrators left and how, mm -hmm. you know, um, we can help to um, strengthen those relationships between the child and, and the parent. Excellent. So I've got I've got that, and I also um, we did some um, we made some little um, eye masks with lavender with the ladies mm -hmm. who completed the the dark rehabilitation course. So yeah. fingers crossed, it will go. Yeah, a bit this is now. really ripple, brilliant and specialised stuff. Yeah, as I say, I was yeah. I was following it um, with great interest. Um, all the different crafting classes and things they're doing, and seeing the the logic behind each actual. Uh, activity and where it was coming from um, and I, I was really enjoying following it so <laughs> anyway D Denise as you know was a pediatrician and she has said on more than one occasion on various podcasts when mm -hmm. we get to talk about children they're all hypnotized little beings till I think you say till about eight or nine years old yeah. don't you um, so I was just wondering then if, you, if we could talk a bit about actually when hypnotizing children how you find it compared to hypnotizing an adult um the same really but easier to be but faster it's yeah easier <laughs> because there we as we get older we forget how to use our imagination but if, mm. if you think about it when you read a book you get engrossed in that book don't you, you actually are on on those pages reliving you know, because I remember reading a book and I had streams of tears running down yeah. my mm -hmm. face at this one particular book. Um, but as we get older, we, we tend not to do that as much. 
Um, whereas children, children do have that ability to fall in and out of self-hypnosis so much quicker than us. Mm. Mm -hmm. Episode six of Two Hypnotherapists Talking saw us speaking with US-based hypnotherapist, Dr. Eugenia Andrews. Her long career in helping others achieve their aims was fascinating to hear. Today, we're joined by Dr. Eugenia Andrews, uh, who have, holds a doctorate in psychology and is a life coach and clinical hypnotherapist. Welcome, Eugenia. I forgot to say, and you're joining us from Texas. That's which right. Which is great. Yes. And yes. you could have joined us from Athens because you spend a good deal of time there too. <laughs> so it's, it's I am nice actually from Athens, Greece. I'm originally yes. from Yes. 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 So what are you going to talk to us today about? Oh, my favorite subject. <laughs> How <laughs> to help clients uh, have healthier habits have the life they want and have the weight they want, the figure they want, and most of all, be happy with how they look, how they feel, and who they are. Great. So we're you... talking more specifically about releasing weight and the primary and most important key is how to keep it off. Yes. Absolutely. Of that, that is the key thing, keeping the weight how... off. Yeah. However, I do think that once people start to lose and they start to feel happier, it makes it so much easier to keep going. <laughs> and so do you do you have uh, clients come back to you because they've not been able to maintain it? Or do you have an ongoing program that helps them maintain their yes, happiness I do. level? And, and, and that's part of my own story, if I may interject. Oh, that. please. Yes. Please. How did you get there? Yeah, the way I became a hypnotherapist was because when I started my practice um, in the 80s, I had the fear of public speaking and I was getting invited to be speaking in front of conferences and uh, various uh, networking meetings and um, I would get kind of panicky and so I decided to seek hypnotherapy here in Texas, actually. That was after graduate school. And mm -hmm. uh, that helped immensely. And eventually, uh, when I had my daughter, I gained 40 pounds and I sought out hypnosis and I kept the weight off until the pandemic when I again, and she's 30, so she just got married in September. And Congratulations. Uh, until I, thank you. Um, I Until I gained about 30 pounds because I got very busy. I started working globally with all over the world. I trained four other hypnotherapists and I it was even forgetting to eat and drink water. And then I would have, I would eat a big meal at night right. and usually sugary things or fast food. And so I, um, my, my practice tripled during the pandemic. And so I decided to, do something about it because my daughter was getting married September 1st and I right. needed to lose the weight. I sought hypnosis again. I also did self-hypnosis with myself and I lost 30 pounds easily. And since then I have lost another seven pounds. Um, and I am now at my, uh, you know, the, the weight I carried in my early forties. <laughs> so excellent. Getting, excellent. 
Yes. So, but um, but just uh, back up a little bit, bit more backstory, yes. please. When did you yes. first encounter hypnosis? Did you already know it was a useful modality, and that's why you looked for it, or were you looking for a cure? A cure? Were you looking for help with your weight originally, and then found hypnosis? So when I was in graduate school, I um I went to school at the University of Wisconsin in Milwaukee, and uh, Milton Erickson um had, is from Wisconsin, and mm -hmm. um. His um, some of his uh, protégés and um, people he trained, hypnotherapists, came to graduate school and did a three-day seminar in hypnosis, and I was, I was thrilled and I was very intrigued. So I decided this is something I might want to pursue down the line in addition to mm -hmm. my counseling that I was uh, I was starting to do. And so when I, and one day I opened Time Magazine at the dorm and I saw actually on the cover, Frank Monahan, who is a was a hypnotherapist here in Texas, who gave me the hypnosis actually for the, the fear of public speaking. He was a man of the year. And so mm -hmm. that's when I moved to Texas, I sought him out. And, you know, fear of public speaking is the second uh, most severe fear uh, yeah. after fear of death in the world. So yeah. I think though, for me, the fear of gaining weight was for a long time, a major fear. And I and it mm -hmm. is for my clients. Solution-focused hypnotherapist, Josephine Blackburn joined us as our guest in episode eight of season two. Here's some of what she had to say. And so this program has been devised by, well, he's an NLP practitioner as well as a solution-focused hypnotherapist, and mm -hmm. he's devised this mind reboot. And it's a quick way, like six, six to seven sessions. And it, you know, it works because you've got lots of different avenues to, to work from. So you've got the NLP techniques, you've got the solution-focused brief um so yeah so you've got the hypnosis part of it as well so yes it's a good good technique to to clear all those things that are stuck in our bucket as you, we mm -hmm. say so yes yes I'm, yeah. I'm interested to hear more about this joe because obviously you and i both trained with the same model solution focused and mm -hmm. uh, sessions follow a fairly rigid routine don't they in terms of starting off with the what's been good some brain revision scaling miracle question and then the trans part of it is there an additional phase with this mind reboot program yes i mean we still do ask what's been better what's been good this week so it's definitely focusing on that positive mm. um but it's also although we were told not to dwell on the past, not to go into the past, it's, it is important. I feel certainly from a beauty therapist point of view, and I had hypnotherapy myself. And I think it is important to know a little bit of background of why they've come through the door. If they don't want to tell you mm. everything, they don't have to tell you everything, but I think it's important to get that little bit of information and then it's working on those things that are stuck in their bucket that actually are holding them back mm. and constantly hold them back. So it's a way of, you know, clearing those past traumas, traumatic experiences, high emotional experiences, 
and being able to free those up so that actually mm -hmm. you're thinking differently you can you know see that actually that doesn't need to have such a hold on you on your life mm. because quite often things are misunderstandings it's not actually the way that you perceived it to be because as we that's, know that's brain... always whenever we're working with memory what you remember is probably not what happened exactly yeah, yeah. it's your mm. interpretation of it and it's your interpretation at the time that you're thinking about it because absolutely how, you know if you, if you look at a memory and then you go back and look at it again it's quite different it is mm. yeah we well, do say don't we every time you sort of bring a memory back you twiddle it just a little bit more yeah right, and pop it back yeah yeah yeah, it's fascinating. Yes. Yeah. So, so you, you're still following though a, a set. This reboot is is a program. Do you do it as a group program or as an individual? It's individual. Okay. Yeah. So individual. the only ones I have, yeah, this is this is this week. This is next week. This is this week. This is my group programs because obviously, they'd all be at different places and it would be yeah. very complicated. But yeah. um, the the training that I got was was not solution focused. Not that they weren't looking for solutions. Um, or that the, the, what the client wanted is definitely where we're going. But um, the most rigid they were, I do hope nobody from the school's watching, um, the most rigid <laughs> they were, that the, it was really important to have an arm elevation. It was the, the main convincer that was used um, in, in, the, in, in the, the standard induction process. And I threw that out the window almost right away because it's difficult to do online and, most of us were then working online in in 2019 even and um it, it was okay but it, it interfered because i had to keep saying could you move your camera a little bit so i can see what you're doing yes <laughs> so i would do maybe some sort of movement in the elbow but i can tell what they're... anyway um but my my program encouraged a, a more um i won't say not client-centered because you guys obviously are client-centered but it, it was whatever you did was what, other than the fact that you would in, induct them you would do whatever you were doing you bring them out you put them back in so you've got a post-hypnotic suggestion um that 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 was you know the basic uh mm -hmm. program we were we were very open about what we were actually doing with the client yeah so helen breward the hypnotherapist who bills herself as the cool menopause lady featured in episode 10 she has a wealth of knowledge and experience it was an absolute joy to have her on the show so helen let's talk about the kind of hypnotherapy you do because I'm, I'm not familiar with um, the type of stuff you do so do you want to tell us a little bit about that tell okay. our listeners so when i'm working with clients and, and I didn't actually realise this. It was Cheryl Elman that told me actually what I was doing. <laughs> I was just I was just doing me. All right. Now, and then we all have to do, we all have to do ourselves because there's only us that can do ourselves. Mm. And if we're going to do good and great hypnotherapy with, with clients, we have to do it as ourselves. Yeah. And um, we were chatting one day and she said, well, what you're actually saying, Helen, is that you're a client-centered hypnotherapist. And I went, Oh yeah, hadn't realised that. <laughs> when I was training, there was no title. You were just a hypnotherapist, right? You know, I mean, nowadays there's things like a solution-focused hypnotherapist. Mm -hmm. There's a cognitive <laughs> hypnotherapist. There's a that, that and the other. And I thought, oh, that's what I do then. That's the, and it's quite, in some respects, it's not a label, but it's quite nice to know 
the type of hypnosis that I deliver is actually called this kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So, and then people will say to me, well, what do you mean by that? So well, what I mean by that is when somebody comes to see me, I have a rough idea of what I'm going to do with you, but I actually don't know what I'm going to do with you till I have a chat with you. Mm. And whatever I decide to do with you is done in a way that is congruent with you, not a textbook, not yeah. a, a not scripted script. list that I've got, that I've got to follow it word by word mm. and I can't ad lib and I can't do this, that and the other. Right. This is purely about you and for you in your way kind of th right. kind of therapy. And and if you're not going to have that kind of client centered <laughs> work, then that you may as well just hand out tapes. But, but it, it has to be customized to the client completely. And 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 customized to the, how the client is that day in that moment. Yes, because exactly. what they were feeling yes. like last Saturday might be completely different. Yeah. 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 Have you yeah. ever have I you ever done it. have you ever done an intake on a client? You've got okay, you've got a real good idea of what you're going to do, and they come in that day and it's just thrown out, yeah. the, <laughs> thrown out, completely. Close out the window. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, happens very frequently. I have before um, I work with a client, I get um I get their notes out and I get their a sheet of paper out and I write the name on the top, and I look at what we did last time and I write literally one or two ideas of the techniques that I could do with them. It's not that often I'd actually do that. Yeah. Occasionally mm. I can, but it's just a couple of ideas to get me, you know, just to get me going if I need to get going or I need an idea. But nine times out of ten, I end up doing something completely different right. because they've moved, they've moved either further forward or they've moved one sideways or they've moved this way or that way. And now this has become a problem that's never been mentioned before. So then we need to work on that. And I think sometimes that is just a, a a product of the rapport you build with somebody i wasn't going to mention this but now i can see i can trust you with this piece of information mm. <laughs> yeah or I, even I, just I, oh would it work for this too can we talk about this yes yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. i mean i i always say that with clients the the initial issue is never the issue it, two or three sessions down the line something else always comes out and as you say, Denise, I think it's to do with rapport and trust, mm -hmm. um, which, yeah, you know, yeah. nobody will trust you 100% instantly from the first meeting. You, of course you, not. You know, it's got to be you earned. And... You would worry about somebody that did. Well, yeah. The <laughs> <laughs> thing is, though, yeah. I, so, I, was, I was talking to um, a potential new client the other day, and it was, um, it was a, a parent and a, a, what, their, their teenage child, let's say. And at one point, uh, one of the parents looked at me and said, I don't think they're giving you all the, all the story. And I said, that's absolutely fine. I know, I know that. And that's, I own ex that's what I am expecting because mm -hmm. they have to learn to trust me. Yeah. So this is fine. But I, no, 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 honestly, it's fine. I have a few ideas of what else might be going on. Mm -hmm. But nobody is ever forced to say anything you can talk about the weather if all you want to do is talk about the weather that's fine yeah but you've got to build that rapport that trust people have to trust you before they can allow the real secret or whatever mm -hmm. it is the real issue let's say to come out mm, absolutely mm -hmm. Our final guest of Series 2 was Larissa Bellotti, a clinical hypnotherapist from the south coast of England. 
Larissa told us about the work she does, including hypnosis without hypnosis. Listen in to find out what we mean by that. Good. Yeah. Yeah, lovely. Excellent. So I, I was having a look at your website as well, Larissa. As, as Denise said earlier on, I'm a, a bit of a stalker. <laughs> now, I was just taking a look and it, it's, I mean, obviously I know about solution-focused hypnotherapy. Denise does. Mm. Our regular listeners and viewers do as well. Yeah. Um, but I was reading something about the control system. Yeah. Uh, another way of accessing the subconscious mind without using hypnosis trance. Tell me more. Yeah. So um, it's again, it's uh, yeah, I love that way of working as well. So I use use both depending um, who I'm seeing and what it's for. And also um, I have to check that they can work in that specific way because it is very different. And as you say, there's there's no trance, no actual hypnosis. So it's all done through conversation using idiomotor responses, which I'm sure you know what that is. Mm. Some of the listeners might not. So it's getting a, a signal back from the subconscious mind, really. Okay. Um, so, yeah, it's very different, but it's very um, specific and very direct. So I use it a lot with things like phobias. I mean, you can use it for anything, really, that, that you can with solution focus. Um but it is, yeah, it's, I think it's a surprising way of working sometimes because people, they come for hypnotherapy, are expecting hypnosis. Are they expecting the swinging pocket watch and the whole thing? Or, or... Oh, yes. Yeah. But we do actually, in the control system, we um, we do do some kind of, um, how would you say, um, kind of um, exercises, just imagination exercises to just check how open someone is to it so it's almost like some of the things that stage hypnotists might do to check someone's um susceptibility or if they're open enough um you know to to do the thing yeah but i think i think i think that sorry for correcting you but it's yeah. not that they are superior it's just that type of hypnosis they are are going to be able to cooperate with a hypnotist whilst being watched by 25 other people or exactly. 300 other people. Yeah, Whereas so many people can't. They would be just as good subjects, but not in that situation. Exactly, exactly. Yes. So um, obviously this is a much more relaxed environment and I'm not getting them to do anything silly, but it's just to check how their imagination works and just to check that that I can get those responses from the, exactly. from the conscious yeah. mind. And then when that's the case, it's the, the, the way of working, it's almost like you negotiate with the subconscious mind. It's, you know, the subconscious has got these patterns of, of um, you know, thinking and behavior that have been put in place for whatever reason, you know, things learned to the child or because of a situation that someone's been through. And it's just kind of getting the, the conscious message through to that, through to the subconscious that it's time to change that, that that strategy is no longer serving them. So it's, it's, mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a very different way of working, but I really enjoy it as well. Mm. So I'm just thinking, though, for anybody listening and watching, we're saying this isn't hypnosis, but it is. It, it's not the yeah. formal hypnosis they may perceive, but the whole procedure, the whole process, it is a form of hypnosis. So is it is it closer to Ericksonian? What he did was so was so varied, wasn't it? So yes, probably yes. to some to some extent. Um, but it's yeah, it's just done through conversation and um yeah, the difference as well is that because it's done through conversation, the first session I it usually say leave two hours because you don't know how long it's going to take. Right. You don't know how how you know open to change the, the subconscious is sometimes it you know comes up with, with barriers and it's just kind of putting those barriers to 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 rest so that so that you can do the work. Yeah. And to yeah. all the guests who joined Denise and myself in series two, 
we offer a special thanks. And of course, thanks to you, our listeners and viewers. We'll see you back in Series 3, which starts on Sunday, the 7th of May. We'll see you then.